Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. And if you find this podcast helpful in your theological rehabilitation, consider partnering with us in its production. Become a financial sponsor of That's What She Said on Patreon, a platform for supporting content you love. Thanks! Good evening, church. My name is Josh and my pronouns are he, him. I'm a member of the spiritual care team here at Galileo and one of Galileo's ordination candidates. I'm preaching to you once again from my apartment in Charlotte, North Carolina, on this sixth Sunday after Pentecost, as Katie is enjoying her much-needed rest. We are in week five of our summer worship series, as one having authority, where we are sharing the stories of Jesus from the heart of Matthew's gospel, as he did the work he had earlier preached about. Tonight we read from Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 26. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast so often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding attendants cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, for the patch pulls away from the cloak, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are ruined. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly, a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, If only I touch this cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that moment. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout all of that district. These are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What makes a religious person a VRP, a very religious person? I spent enough time in evangelicalism to drill into my bones the phrase, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Sure, of course it is. It's a relationship that took me to seminary, to my work as a chaplain, to serve on the spiritual care team, to enter into the ordination process, and to go to church twice every Sunday. Whoever I wanted to be, I crossed over into being a religious person a long time ago. 
And so are many of us. So many of us serve in various leadership roles or lead parts of worship or are going to seminary or thinking about seminary or really we know the words to our hymns and we give faithfully and write down our prayers and show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We have made ourselves religious despite our own best efforts. Our faith has always been sincere and really that was why so many of us left the religion of our youth. Even after years, after extricating ourselves from this version of church and finding ourselves religious still, we cannot escape that we share this religiosity with people who only want to take us to coffee so they can tell us how disappointed they are in our walk with Jesus. I don't want to be like those who take their bigotry all the way to the Supreme Court just to say that queer people or black people or women are less than. I don't want that kind of religiosity. The VRPs then are we who become so wrapped up in the rightness of our belief that we cannot imagine how people could believe otherwise. And we don't think that they should believe otherwise. Being a VRP means having an unhealthy dose of fear for those who are other, whether in gender or sexual orientation or race or ability or education or, yes, religion. Note that I will not list political affiliation here because some certain people in the pursuit of power will capitalize on this anxiety. Being a VRP does not mean we love God more. It means we will sacrifice others on the altar of our own fear. Leaving behind a life as a VRP means seeking the answer to this one question. What is on the other side of our fear? With this question in our minds, then, we enter into today's story. We start with Jesus sitting down to eat, and right into the midst of this meal burst disciples of John the Baptist. One slides into the chair next to him and asks about fasting. Jesus, Jesus, they say, I know this burger smells great and all, but have you considered that you should be fasting? That's the sentiment, isn't it? It doesn't matter in this moment about the actual virtues of fasting, about why it might be good or right or holy. What matters in the moment is that here is Jesus and his friends and this juicy burger and this unwanted question. Why are you eating at all? Why, why aren't you doing what all us good, right, and holy people are doing? Don't you want to be holy, Jesus? By all appearances, Jesus is also a very religious person, a rabbi who teaches in synagogues and debates theology with his peers, and who doesn't fast? Okay, well, nobody's perfect, so let's just go ask him why. And when he tells us, and we see the error in his theology, we'll just correct it. We can correct Jesus, yeah? It'll be fine. This is what we came here to do. We're not honest with ourselves in the moment to say what we've really come for, to justify our faith before the one who challenges it. We don't say that we correct him to prove our own sense of rightness. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going into this debate for his benefit so that he can live good and right and holy. Yeah, that's right. That's what we say, because we need to be right. 
We need to be. What happens if we're not? What happens if we don't have to fast? What if this religion that gives our life meaning doesn't have all the answers? What if it doesn't require suffering from us when we have offered this suffering to God for years? This is the sunk cost fallacy. We have invested too much time in striving in pain just to give up now. So maybe religion is just supposed to hurt? Isn't that how we prove our devotion? Faith is pain. Religion is suffering. God rewards us for the scars we give ourselves. Let us nail ourselves to the cross to prove that we would die for this world so that Jesus knows that we too are good enough. We believed enough. We did enough. The path to becoming a VRP, to fundamentalism, goes right through this suffering. Because the only enough in fundamentalism is giving up every last joy we have for the nebulous hope of God's final approval. If we have done enough, then on that final day before the throne of God, God will look at us and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. We must die to ourselves over and over just to make sure we're going to get that far. The fundamentalism of the VRPs asks everyone to believe the same so that the suffering we put ourselves through has meaning. This is its purpose. We need our suffering to have meaning because that is where God is. That is where our hope is. How many deaths must we die for the approval of God? If others do not share it, we need to convince them so we can convince ourselves. So it asks us to intrude on the life of Jesus and ignore what he is doing, his meal, his friends, his purpose. It requires us to sit down and ask, why aren't you like us? Because we need him to be like us. We need him to suffer as we have suffered. And so this Jesus, this God with us, sees that. This is the reason he answers as he does. In a moment of dazzling compassion, he sees this need and responds to it. When he leaves his friends at dinner, it isn't in reluctance, but moving as he always does, with grace for those who are trying so hard and have missed the entire point of it all. Being Jesus, he answers an inappropriate question with what seems on the surface a silly question. He puts his burger down, tells his friends he'll be right back, pulls these VRPs aside, and says, The wedding party won't mourn as long as the groom is with them, will they? But the days will come when the groom is taken away, and then they will fast. Like, what the heck, Jesus? This isn't a wedding. These are sinners. And so Jesus offers another metaphor about a cloak. When they don't understand that, he offers them yet another about wineskins. I imagine that Jesus could have continued offering metaphors all day if he was not interrupted again by a man needing a miracle. A man whose personal tragedy offered Jesus an opportunity to show what this religion was all about. He leaves this conversation because the work is calling and this debate is going nowhere. What on the surface seems a silly question is Jesus asking the VRPs to think beyond their own experience, 
to really engage with the why of their religiosity and fasting. You would not mourn at a wedding, would you? No, you would share in that joy. So share in ours. All things come in their time and have their use. Celebration when it is called for and mourning when it is necessary. Mourning is not our default state. You are allowed happiness. These VRPs, they're not quite there yet. They don't have the capacity to move outside the iron bounds of their faith. Not now. Not yet. And we've been there before, haven't we? All of us who are spiritual refugees had to eventually say enough to the religion that shaped us. To give up certainty for, well, whatever it is that we are now. With faith we cobbled together from the ashes of the lives, the lives we burnt down to get here. Us spiritual refugees who held on to faith, we held on because we are religious, whether we like it or not. We find some meaning in all of this, this ritual, this music, these prayers, these Sundays, even when we need to bend the rules of our old faith to get here. Because we saw that needless suffering and hoped with everything we had that there was more to be found. And so Matthew offers a contrast to the VRPs, people whose faith remains steadfast even in the face of their own suffering. It starts with yet another person crashing their meal, this time not with something to prove, but with a need to be filled. And not just any person either, a leader, the text says, a man of influence and power. This man hasn't come to debate to ask about the finer theological points on the holiness of fasting. No, this man has come in the position of a dad, leaving aside religious acceptability to kneel down before Jesus and ask him to bring back his dead daughter. This suffering, this is a new patch being ripped away from the cloak it was meant to repair, and in such a way that the cloak can never be whole again. This is mourning. This is why someone might fast. He goes to the only person he knows that may fix any of this mess. For he heard and he believed. And so he goes and kneels right down at the feet of Jesus. This man of status is tossing it all aside to ask this hungry, dirty, tired preacher if maybe he has a miracle left in him. Please, sir, my daughter, I know you can bring her back with a touch. Jesus will not say no. This is his religion. As he goes on his way to a miracle, another one finds him. Another person breaks into Jesus' space. A woman who had bleeding, been bleeding for a dozen years. She too heard and believed and approached in her desperation. Jesus honored her faith, though her methods broke the rules. A woman touching a man, scandal, and a bleeding woman who would have been unclean. Perhaps it is for the best that the VRPs were gone by this point. This woman had her suffering ended so that she may be restored back to her family and to her community. This dad had his daughter brought back. His world made right again. Two people stepped out beyond the realm of respectability and propriety beyond what was good and right and holy. They followed their faith right into the impossible. But the VRPs, 
They've gotten the answer they came for, and so their part in the story is over. When Jesus left his dinner, the VRPs did not go with him. They had gotten their answer. Fasting is for funerals only, they said, and built an entire denomination around it, I guess. That's what VRPs do, right? Codify their theology to tell the world how right they are. And so the miracles happen when they aren't looking. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, Jesus says again and again and again. Maybe someday someone will believe him. Maybe that day is today. Probably not. VRPs are a very stubborn people. They would not and could not see what was right in front of them. Hope being born again when all was thought lost. VRPs won't be debated out of fundamentalism, but maybe, just maybe, when the time is right and they are just desperate enough, they will step out into the dangerous wild that is the faith we now call home. We cling to whatever hope we can find and we build something new and better. We go to Jesus when we can with whatever faith we can muster. If I can just touch the cloak, just a piece, just the hem, that will be enough. And so it is. So yes, I am a religious person. I was once a very religious person. I was afraid of the questions, of happiness that was just evidence I was living in sin, of losing everything. And so I suffered. And so we suffered. But we don't need to. Jesus has shown us a better way. When we're ready, when we have to, we take that journey. What is on the other side of our fear? Miracles, my friends. Miracles. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. If what you've heard is helpful, consider becoming a patron of its production by joining our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and support the people who love them. We do kindness around mental health and mental illness, and we celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support our missional priorities, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Share With Us. You'll have options to contribute through Venmo, PayPal, or your bank account. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace. Peace.